0: To another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast, everybody. This is your host, Joe Ogden. And today we're going to sit down with our Brookfield manager, Jeff Verhagen. And before we get into it, a special thank you to Jeff for sitting down and taking the time out of his day to do this podcast and then to sit down for this interview. As many people don't know, the job duties of a manager at our separate locations comes with a lot of responsibility. So again, a special thank you to Jeff for sitting down and doing this with us. Jeff is one of our longest tenured therapists here at Freedom, so he also has a ton of other job responsibilities within the company. He also is a military veteran, which I don't think gets enough credit for him or anybody, but special thank you to Jeff for his service. We really appreciate everything that you've done and everything you do for the company. So without further ado, let's get into this. Podcast. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for making time this afternoon and join us on the podcast.
1: Having me, Joe. Excited. Actually sad it since the Packers won yesterday.
0: Yeah, as we were just talking before the podcast started, what a nice plug and surprise after you know, we got a huge snowstorm finally in Wisconsin. It only took till January. But now we're in a huge cold spell too. So it's nice for the Packers to brighten our weekend a little bit.
1: What I remember growing up. Uh, this kind of snow and this kind of I feel like back in the seventies. I
0: feel like for me, I mean, we haven't had something like this at least in ten years. I feel like I feel like this was probably one of the best or biggest snowfalls in a long time.
1: We had so much snow at the end of it, our driveways we piled up when we were younger, we actually made little igloos and caves that we played in. We had a lot of snow. So this was uh this was uh remnants of the seventies.
0: You could definitely do that now. Uh Jeff, tell us a little bit about just kind of your background and kind of how you got into PT. I know you've been at Freedom for, are you the longest tenured employee actually now that I say that? I think
1: I might be. And I'm trying, you know, every time I think about how long have I been here, I think about my daughter's age because she was just born um, when, uh, when I started. And yeah, in fact, she's 23 years old and she'll be starting medical school in July. So that's how I remember, 23 years. Uh, I uh, started my career at Appleton Medical Center um, right out of school from UW-Madison and I was probably not even there for about three months, um, and I got activated for Desert Storm. So I went uh, overseas to Augsburg, Germany, which is where I was stationed, and we saw um, patients there in the, in the clinic, um, I was there for about six months, and then came back, spent a little bit more time at Appleton Medical Center, went on to Madison at Mariner Hospital and clinics. I, uh, ran an office on the east side of Madison, and then uh, my wife um, had an interest in coming back to the the Brookfield area, so I, I agreed. So ended up with uh, with Freedom here.
0: Are you originally from the Brookfield area, or is this ju- just where you guys ended up?
1: Uh, my wife is originally from Brookfield. I actually grew up in Madison, um, so we lived in Cottage Grove, which was. Uh, about the uh, halfway point between Econowalk and Madison, so she got the run of the deal. She had to drive a little bit farther with the kids.
0: And how did you end up in Appleton?
1: Um, I had actually done an internship there, and I I worked for uh, a guy that I really liked. I, I liked the community. I liked the the small town feel. Um, the hospital was great. The people were great. Um, and uh, it just seemed like the natural progression after the internships to stay at a place I was comfortable and familiar with.
0: And Jeff also, um, I didn't mention this at the beginning, um, is our manager in our Brookfield location. Have you been out there since Brookfield started, Jeff? Or did you start in Fox Point?
1: Uh, starting at Fox Point, yeah. So I, I kinda was hired, uh, we, we only had the Fox Point office, and um, uh, I also have my, uh, MBA from Cardinal Stritch University. I did that while I was at um, living in Madison and when I completed that I wasn't really sure if I was going to stay in PT, get into a hospital administration or what I was going to do but um, there was an opportunity with Freedom to, to help them with their business growth and continue to be a PT and it uh, made a lot of sense. So um, when I uh, came on we were just Fox Point and we kind of had a game plan to try to create a little um, triangle or square around uh, the greater Milwaukee area to be able to have patients who maybe worked on one end of the city um, and live on the other end of the city and have options for them as to where they would go for their physical therapy. So we, that was part of our our plan to try to put something out west, south, and north. So that's why we got the Grafton, Fox Point, um, Brookfield, and then um, I think not too far um, after that, the uh, Ogunakwa office started. So, um, and I think the plan is, you know, to, to continue to try to, to grow um, and, and do more, but the challenges of um, private practice are uh, always. Uh, a surprise and day-to-day um, and planning and working with insurance companies and competition it's and staffing it's it's uh, once you think you have everything set uh, something pops up and you are scrambling again
0: in your experience with this position at freedom I mean obviously on top of being a physical therapist and this this question I guess can apply to both too has that changed since you started I mean just kind of that role of always trying to find somebody or even just the transition of the profession itself, or is it relatively the same?
1: I think that's a great question. Um, I think it's gotten a little bit more challenging with insurance companies, to be honest with you. Um, they've um, scrutinized our profession a little bit more because we're hanging fruit, uh, particularly in the private practice world. Insurance companies, uh, when I first started, I don't think really had limitations on visits. I think the reimbursement was different as well, better. So it, it just seems like we're we're needing to work longer and harder and faster than we've ever had to, um, because of the, uh, the expectations in, uh, of these insurance companies. The profession has gotten, I would say, different in that there, there's more education for the, the kids coming out of school. Um, Uh, You have the the DPT programs. Uh, I think the kids are coming out a little bit more prepared um, with a little bit of uh, of research, uh, having to do research projects. Um, Unfortunately, they're also coming out with a lot more debt as well. and with the cost of education and and the reimbursement actually going the other direction i would say that's one of the bigger challenges for our profession
0: yeah i I mean i think this topic could be you know in its own podcast itself um and I, i would actually love i think it'd be cool to have a round table discussion with everyone at freedom those that don't have their dpt i think we have a couple therapists that even have their masters and then a large portion of us have our doctorates. It's a huge political and, you know, kind of alphabet soup that I think goes on. We have all this educational debt, Um, but then we get out, I think, professionally. Besides the research part and maybe some of the imaging, I think everyone's pretty much the same. And that's where the huge debate is with
1: yeah. the
0: other logistical stuff, too.
1: I would say, too, with any profession, it's really what you want to do with it when you get out. Do you want to? pursue excellence and um, an area of specialty to get good. I still think that programs now versus when I went to school, they're just preparing you to um, have a a base of knowledge so that you can continue really the rest of your career and getting um, further and further uh, educated on uh, ways to uh, improve your patient care for patients and actually be able to see a, a broader base of patients. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 plus years, and, you know, somebody said, what's your area of expertise? And I, and I said, well, almost everything, because, you know, through the years, there's been places I've worked where, you know, we, we worked all spine, um, a lot of extremity sports medicine, feet, headaches, you name it. So i um, been exposed to a lot of different stuff other than obviously the women's health, which is yeah. uh, one of our services here at Freedom at all four of our offices.
0: That's a service that's growing. I'll actually be um, having a podcast with Nina coming up in a couple of weeks. So for those listening that are interested in public health, just be patient. We have one coming, a big long one with Nina in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but actually, Jeff, that's a really good segment segue into what I really wanted to talk about today with you. Um, Jeff and I treat very similarly. Obviously, he has so much more experience and knowledge than I do. But for someone being super young in their career, um, having someone at the same company that uh, treats the same way via the osteopathic methods, um, I've been super excited to get Jeff on the podcast to kind of talk about that a little bit. You know, kind of what it is, and um, talk about some of the the things that he sees and the way he treats.
1: The osteopathic uh, assessment and treatment um, is is a challenging way to to, um, to look at the human body. I know for a while I worked at um in Madison at the uh, Meritor Spine Clinic and we had um I was what was I don't remember what my title was, uh clinical specialist for that area and I would work to try to teach um modules of different areas of the body and um, not everyone was real receptive of it because it is a uh challenging way of uh assessing the spine and and really some of the the nomenclature that you write down is opposite of uh, what physical therapies the physical therapists are trained for physical therapists will were trained on what the dysfunction is and the osteopathic method is with that dysfunction you're naming it for what the what the spine does with that dysfunction so it's a little different mindset and it gets a little confusing with the um, the documentation but once you get it down it makes a ton of sense so you're you're really taking the human body rather than a static picture in time of the spine you're um, essentially using your eyes and your hands to assess the uh the movement patterns and assessing for abnormal movement so for example uh spines have joints on both sides and if one side when you're forward bending doesn't move and the other side does you're going to get a rotation one direction and if you backward bend your spine, if that segment doesn't move, you're going to get a rotation to the opposite direction. And with your eyes and your hands, you can pick that up and it helps direct kind of where the, the treatment needs to be uh, focused on. So it's a very specific way of assessing and it's been pretty successful. Patients love the the, um, the approach, the treatment. As you know, it's it's um, to it be super fun to see results really, really fast with patients. And actually, there's a um, Phil Greenman's book, and Phil Greenman is an osteopath. I kind of look at that as the Bible. The last chapter in that book um, is called Exercises and Adjunct to Manual Medicine. And um, I think that's where he goes over a lot of reinforcing activities. I don't like to even call them exercises. They're reinforcing activities to the osteopathic manual therapy that you you do with the patient. And so some of these um, things that we have our patients do are little unconventional or goofy, but they're, they're designed to, um, to kind of reinforce what you just treated. And there's a, uh, I think the other great value in the osteopathic method is there's, um, there's kind of an order to the treatment as well. So you're unlocking things in a particular order, um, in order for the best outcome. Um, you know, you skip ahead and you treat something, um, too soon, you might not even have to treat that area if if you... You treat an area that's lower or um, I often will treat into the ribs and the thoracic spine and I come back up into the neck and some of the things that I felt, you know, during the evaluation aren't even there as a result of unlocking certain areas. So um, that's the, I guess, the benefit of, of the order of um, what's recommended by the osteopaths, because there's definitely a uh, an order that makes sense. And, and then you are doing strengthening activities as well, but you're doing it, Um, At a time period when the body is unlocked, it can actually strengthen without compensation. And that's pretty much the key.
0: I feel like I agree with everything you just said, especially the order when it comes to how you do things, which to me as a as a student, when I learned from a therapist who treats this way, to me, that's what made sense is. A lot of times in PT school or as physical therapists in general, everyone's looking for a kind of a cookie cutter approach, so to speak, because that's easy to follow, which is always interesting to me because osteopathic treatment, I think, can be very difficult in the nomenclature to learn. But once you get it, it it does make sense. Um, But I wish it was taught a little more because that order of operation makes sense in kind of establishing how you do things within a treatment session.
1: It allows you to be more efficient too. In the, the TMD world, I mean, Dr. Racobato, who is um, kind of a world-class researcher and, and TMD clinician, he's PT, he um, talks about when you treat the jaw, you, you really need to be able to confidently treat the upper back and neck in order to have anything in the jaw really hold. So again, very often, with that population, I'll treat the upper back and neck, those areas that are dysfunctional or not moving well, and come back and ask the patient to move their their mouth open. And they sometimes have a big surprise on their face. Like, oh, I can't believe how much easier it is to move. And that's just kind of very similar to, you know, when you treat um, the lower back um, or the pelvis and the lower back, there's, there, there's an order because a lot of times... Um, one thing leads to another, opens that up, and and um, um, I think even some of the things that I've learned through the years as well, where um, I'll treat the the pelvis and lower back, and go back up into the neck and jaw, and the patient basically um, has the majority of that problem resolved. So there's a there's a definite um, benefit to the order and just the knowledge of of what it is that you have to treat. And that's that's pretty much. What we all try to shoot for is to have a a really good uh blueprint as to what the problems are so that then when you come back and and treat in an order you can um have great success and then assigning exercises for the patient too i often will have them do it in a particular order as well um because most of the time what you're trying to do is unlock the body in order to facilitate facilitate a muscle to be able to generate its optimal force as opposed to saying oh, that is weak, let's just go ahead and try to strengthen. Well, why is it weak? It's weak because something's not letting it get to its optimal length, and so it's really inhibitally weak, and the more you try to strengthen it, the more you're going to get compensation throughout the body. Great example of that was a patient that I had this morning. In going through my assessment, we picked out some of the, the dysfunctions or imbalances dynamically with the patient in neutral and then with movement forward and movement backwards. When I tested... Um, glutes um this morning the patient pre-treatment was like oh that hurts my back and i said exactly you know you're weak there that's going to cause compensation for your back that's why the back is hurting you go ahead and treat the pelvis and lumbar spine in a in a particular order you go back and test the strength and the strength is now five out of five and the patient doesn't complain of back pain anymore and that's a real big light bulb for the patient to go well that's pretty cool That now you did something to me that i can feel my motion is restored. My strength is there. And what used to cause compensatory pain no longer does in a in a matter of minutes in a, in a treatment session. And then giving them the tools to try to maintain that at home.
0: I think that's something too that it's for younger therapists especially. Um, the big push is kind of away from manual interventions um, in today's modern world. And that's physical therapy in a nutshell. I do think we find fads and just kind of keep going with those. And then we eventually circle back. Um, but the dysfunction as to why is where I think the osteopathic method is, it makes a lot of sense is I want to know why that is weak. I think you would agree too. I, I, it looks weak in this position, but I want to know why. And then I think that osteopathic method, a finds that out and B treats it right away for the patient to see and gives that light bulb moment.
1: Exactly. I think the, the other thing, and you would agree with this, um, is that I'll often be explaining to the patient, you know, you have pain on your left side, but I'm gonna treat your right side in order to allow pain on the opposite side to disappear. So it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, if a joint is stuck, the other side is gonna move in compensation excessively. Um, I tend to call it a facilitated segment and you normalize the, the joint that is restricted and nine times out of 10 time the pain goes away.
0: Now, do you have a certain uh, patient population that you see Um, primarily, or I should rephrase that, primary presentation of pain, whether it's in the low back, neck, thoracic region, uh, jaw pain, or is it kind of across the
1: board? The patients that I see, I think it's across the board, yeah. And I I really think uh, that if you can treat the spine really well, up and down the spine, you're going to find that your hips, your knees, your feet... For the lower back, if you treat the lower back and lumbar spine, you'll you'll see those areas improve. And the same thing with headaches and uh, shoulder problems, you treat the upper back and neck and those problems tend to disappear as well. I had a woman this morning that I saw, she came in with foot pain um, and I treated her previously with uh, her knee pain, um, but the resolution of the knee pain uh, a year ago was the treatment of the pelvis and low back. And um, she came in complaining of uh, insidious onset pain in her foot, uh, simply meaning she didn't know what her mechanism was. So I went back up into the pelvis and back and realized she had the same dysfunction. We treated that. She came back today and said, um, you know, 90% of her pain was gone in her foot, simply because by changing the, the alignment in the pelvis and back, you facilitate the core and the glutes to... to um, recruit appropriately and then you don't get that um overall collapsing of the foot at the mid stance because the the, the core are holding you up
0: how many patients do you see for something like that where they come in with um you know knee pain or foot pain and then you go and treat the back and their pain goes away uh,
1: leave it on an awful lot um but you have to you know kind of be able to know you're barking up the right tree uh, when you're doing your interview and asking the appropriate questions, I can think of a young Division One soccer player happened to be a friend of the family. He came in and he goes, Catch, I can't even run anymore. My knee is killing me. And I said, Did you hurt your knee? And he said, uh, No, I didn't. And so I really, honestly, I didn't even look at his knee. I just looked at his pelvis uh, and low back, and there was some asymmetry there. And on the side, they do have a knee pain. His glute was. Really, he couldn't even hold his leg up against uh, gravity. The other side was normal five out of five. Um, At the end of the visit, he left with normal movement, normal strength. I saw him later that week to progress his strength. One of the things I want to do is once I get the the inhibitory strength to return, I want to increase the strength to match the functional demands of life. So him as an athlete, we had to move along. And by the third scheduled visit, he called me and said, do I need to come in because I'm not having knee pain anymore and my answer was no you don't because there was never anything really wrong with your knee it was wrong with your alignment rough and tumble guy um, as far as uh, soccer is concerned and you just you, you get to that point where that muscles not kicking in and then that just calls causes, causes that distal stress at the knee and uh, so that was just a prime example most of the time, too, when patients come in and say they have a foot problem or knee problem, they've been to other therapists, um, I trust that the therapists did their job on those those joints. And if not better, I'm going to go up that chain. And typically, I'll find that there's an issue, treat that, and then the distal problem will tend to resolve on its own.
0: I think that's something that you just casually mentioned. But I helped out in Brookfield um, October of 2022 already now, so last year to... Yeah, we're out there for a couple months, too. You may not remember this, but I do. When I first started um, out there, I was at the time in my career in Fox Point where I wasn't really established yet, and I'm trying to do some of this osteopathic stuff, and you know, some patients are getting better, some aren't seeing it, and you told me that if, if you see a patient, and a lot of times in private practice, you see patients for knee pain, for instance, They've seen three other therapists and things have kind of gotten better, but they've not gotten better. And you ask the questions, you know, what have you been doing? What have you haven't? Well, obviously the same methods aren't working, which is where then we need to climb up the chain. And for me, that's stuck with me ever since. And you just casually mentioned it, but I think it's so important for us as therapists, not only in the field in general, but especially in private practices, you've really got to check everything and assess everything because- there could be something else going on. It's really
1: a, the, the whole kinetic chain. I mean, you got one particular dysfunction or weakness. Where is the weak link in, the, in that kinetic chain? And um, you know, the the pelvis and low back can create issues at the knee. We won't get into details all of that, but you know, same thing of what it happens uh, at the foot. I'll have patients come in, and basically, they have um, had some foot problems, and they may have the, the perfect orthotic but they're still not better. In fact, the orthotic is, is aggravating their foot. I'll look at it, and, um, and the product looks great, whether it was uh, put together by a podiatrist or a PT, but the, the problem is, is again, going back to the pelvis and low back and the glute, if that isn't taken care of, you will continue to overpronate or slam down uh, on that product, and the product ends up Get tossed in the closet because it hurts the foot and in fact really the solution is up in the pelvis and usually those patients are better within two three weeks of of increasing or improving that strength to match the functional demands of life and then you're not getting that over pronation on the actual product of the uh, that they're wearing
0: since you just mentioned it too again something i wanted to touch on today too jeff also does custom orthotics here at freedom um and, and if i'm not mistaken i think you're the only therapist that does do it at freedom, right?
1: Um, yeah, over the years, there's been a couple that have dabbled here and there, and um, but yeah, I've I'm kind of the one and only uh, standing at this point. Um, I've been working with customer Thoughtics for about 30 years, um, and I, and I will say I I feel pretty good about the lab that I use, um, and it's really about. Not just the product, but treating the rest of the body. My name goes on the, the bottom of that orthotic, and over 30 years, I don't think I've really had too many problems. Um, it, I, I tend to understand that, that that there's a time and a place for custom orthotics. Um, there's a time and a place for the counter orthotics as well. Um, and I think a lot of times when the orthotic is unsuccessful, it's because kinetic chain hasn't been addressed all the way up into the pelvis and the back. There are. A handful of people as well that have appears to be high arches. They're patients that actually, you know, aren't are your classic pronators and, and you can or we're seeing that ankle really rolling in. They're actually high arched and they often will have problems as well uh, for for different reasons. And those are patients that um usually will have trouble with their their first ray and start into some bunions and callousing, and that's a a sign of a particular special type of orthotic or, or addition that you need to put into the product to make it successful.
0: How does a patient know, or even even if other therapists at Freedom are listening, if they have a patient who may be a candidate for an orthotic, how do we know when it's appropriate or what signs and symptoms potentially are we looking for to be like, you know, I think it's we might want to try an orthotic to try and help the situation that you're in?
1: Well, I mean, if you are looking up the chain and feel confident that you've taken care of a lot of those problems, um, then maybe a custom orthotic or insert is appropriate. I don't know how technical we want to get here, but um, I look at the rear foot and the forefoot in, in relation to the ground when the ankle's in a nice neutral position and how far the foot has to drop down to the ground and it's measured in just little degrees a degree or two in the rear foot and maybe four degrees in the forefoot it is pretty normal and that sort of person probably isn't going to need a custom orthotic Um, a good shoe or a good over-the-counter insert is all they need but when that foot drops excessively beyond the four degrees um, now you're talking about um, the, the drop starting to affect up the kinetic chain, so you could. I've had patients where I've worked to try to correct um, their their low back issues, and they come back and they're not better. And you start banging your head a little bit, and you, you look down the kinetic chain, and you realize the amount of pronation that they're doing. And remember, pronation is not a bad thing; it's it's how you absorb a lot of your weight uh, in your foot. But if it's too much. Then it actually changes the alignment of the pelvis. So very often you need a a, a custom orthotic to get the things that you're doing up in the pelvis and low back and all the way up the chain to hold. So usually it's just kind of the amount of, of degrees that we're measuring beyond uh, four degrees. If it's beyond four, then usually they're gonna they're probably gonna need something custom.
0: And what is the difference between the orthotics? you would uh, custom do for someone or even over-the-counter versus, versus if they go to a podiatrist?
1: Um, well, the over-the-counter products are for the general public. So they can't really create any posting or um, correction to hold the foot in the right position. So it's usually just a soft, um, something that's twitchy and maybe has a little bit of an arch support. Um, but the arch is an wavering structure on the human body. The longitudinal arch, which is the the arch is, is not, is a bad way for So What we do is we build the ground up to the heel and to the forefoot in order to put the ankle in the correct position An over the counter product really can't do that because it's for the general population. We, we then get into me, doing measurements for the custom product. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I've seen several podiatrists that have provided awesome products for their, their patients. Um, and so, it, and some of them work great and some of them don't, I think the times that they don't work very well, it's not because the product is not appropriate for the foot. It's just that the rest of the body, including the pelvis and the back and the strength and the glutes has a big factor uh, back down the chain to make the product feel uncomfortable. So it's oftentimes, you know, needing to look at both areas in order to solve the problem.
0: Now, Jeff, I know you've got a, a patient here at three, so i have Got time to squeeze in one last question. I like to finish every podcast with this question because I think as physical therapists, our professional lives also overlap into our personal lives. I think um, because of what we do, that has to happen. Um, what motivates you to be a better person or physical therapist? That's
1: a great question. Um, you know, I, I think my motivation to be somebody that's disciplined and and not only not only physically fit, but you know, mind, body, spirit fit is really the upbringing I had, uh, from my parents joining the military. You know, that, that old saying be all that you can be, we all have certain potential, um, in in life. And I, would like to not leave anything on the table. So, you know, um, continue to pursue my personal goals, professional goals personally, right now has a lot to do with just, um, getting a little bit older and trying to stay fit. I did a, uh, triathlon sprint for the first time um, a couple years ago and um, this past year i wanted to do another one but it was a uh, kind of a rough year with my dad's health he passed away in july so i didn't have a ton of time to to train but uh, staying physically fit and um, an example for my patients professionally i think is is really really important one of the things that uh, that i did in my military career and uh, i did retire uh, back in, I think it was 2004 with 21 years of service in a Desert Storm Veteran. Um, about midway through my career, I, I was uh, went to a, a course and became a master fitness trainer in the military. So I would help those that were having trouble with uh, passing their physical fitness tests or uh, having weight issues and we were called weight control officers and, and we uh, we worked with folks to try to be able to pass their, their tests. Professionally, you know, the you, you're never gonna be able to help all your patients, but you strive to be able to do that. And so you, you study, you get certifications, you do your own research, um, you uh, learn every day from your patients, you try to be as comprehensive as you can, you learn from your colleagues. Um I always said if you think you know it all then you might as well retire and be done cuz this field is constantly um you know there's constant growth constant learning that goes on every day and I learn from my patients every day I learn from my colleagues every day um that's what makes the the job exciting it's it's a puzzle in many cases I mean we're not personal trainers just showing somebody how to do something I mean they come in with a particular problem I love it when they it, um, went to other people and, and not been ex- successful so that makes it more fun and exciting when we're able to help them that's, that's how we get busy um, because you know word of mouth spreads and people realize you know that uh, I think our group here at Freedom we hire you know the best and brightest PTs that we can realizing that you know we have to uh, get results and results are what make people want to tell people to come and that's what we've kind of held our head on for at least the twenty plus years I've been here.
0: And It's probably going to keep going too. It's getting yeah, harder.
1: We, we got a great, great um, staff right now at all of our sites. It's it's really exciting to see um, the the growth and the, uh, just the expertise that that we've had. And I know our principal, genus, is you know one of his um, big things is you know making sure that um, our staff has all the continuing education that they want, need, and bringing in um, key people from all over the world. Uh, We've had people from Spain. We just had somebody this past weekend that you and I had a chance to work with for three days. Um, Daryl Herps from the UK, he's an osteopath. So um, through the years, it's just been great. It's been a constant learning and growth, and I think um, this is what makes our our profession exciting.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. you've been a great mentor to me too. So it's, I've been, it's quite the privilege to work together, even though I'm not at Brookfield as much anymore. Thank God you've got more therapists around you out there after the long, long hiring process.
1: Yeah, we've sat for a while, but we miss you out here, Joe. Um, but it, it's exciting to see you uh, using the, the, the osteopathic system and, and uh, the su- success with it. And, um, you know, the more you, the more you use it, the, the better you get. And it's, um, it's, it's fun. I know Scotty uh, uses it a lot and um, hopefully we get others interested in it as well.
0: Yeah. So, so hopefully Scotty and I keep it going in Fox Point and then you've got to do some recruiting out in Brookville. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for taking the time to squeeze in. I know I added this podcast in uh, during a patient slot early. I got it scheduled in November, but um, thanks for taking the time to come on a podcast quick today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Joe. It was fun talking with you, and um, go Pack. We'll see what happens this weekend coming up. One more
0: week. One more week, Saturday night against San Francisco.
1: Okay, buddy. Take care.
0: Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.